0: A massive manhunt ending in a violent standoff in the state of Washington forces us all to ask the question, what exactly is the media covering up? And then we end our haunted Halloween spooktobular with one of the craziest ghost stories yet. Is it possible that a family was haunted by the Virgin Mary? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter, or I'm your ghost, Jason Carpenter. <laughs> I never thought of that joke before? How does that never pop to my head? I'm your ghost, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's the end of our Halloween spooktobular, spectacular October, whatever I called it today is the end of that. I hope you guys all have a nice night tricking and or treating. But someone who has a nice night, no matter what month it is, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone, give it up for Medusa Buzzcut. woo Yeah, come on in. slithering on into Dead Rabbit Command. Longtime supporter of the show. Medusa Buzzcut's been around for a long time. Medusa, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I do. Just help spread the word about the show. You have no idea how much that helps out. If you find any value in this show, make sure the world knows about Dead Rabbit Radio. Medusa, let's go ahead. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. Catch him in your little snaky hairs. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to Stevens County, Washington. <laughs> Couple miles north. Actually I think it's a couple hundred miles north from Dead Rabbit Command. But we're now headed up to Stevens County and I gotta give a shout out to Patreon supporter Thomas the Dank Engine. Thomas sent me this story, really, really appreciate it. This is a this is a weird one. This is kind of a weird one. I don't know what it means, if anything. October twelfth, twenty twenty two is when this story takes place. We're in Stevens County. We're nearby Loon Lake. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a body of water surrounded by land. I don't know the population of loons in the area. Maybe it's just shaped like a loon. (laughs) Maybe it was discovered by Charles Loon. Who knows? But anyways, Loon Lake up in Washington, nearby Stevens County. We're going to meet a man named Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith is 54 years old. And he's running through the woods near Loon Lake. He's not jogging. He's not out there for his health. Well, he's trying not to die. So I guess that would be considered there for your health. He's running through the woods. He has a pistol in one hand. He has body armor. And he's running through the woods. Above him, he hears a police drone. It's flying high above the tree lines. Jeffrey Smith is wanted by the police. Because just a few hours earlier, he showed up at this dude's house and tried to kill him. Fired a gun right at the guy and then got in his car and drove away. And the police are after this dude. He drives over to Loon Lake, starts running through the woods. Now, when I say the police is after this dude, this is a huge manhunt. We have all these officers chasing him in the cars and then they stop. They don't go into the woods after him. Because, you know, who knows where he's at. They also call in the SWAT team. Special weapons and tactics is here as well. So they are fully prepared to face down this single dude with a pistol. As the police are there, as the police and the SWAT and all these officers are there, they begin to announce over loudspeakers, maybe even over the drone. I wonder if the drone has a little speaker on it. But they're saying, give yourself up. Turn yourself in. Please, we don't want to hurt you. The drone then detects, Jeffrey Smith does fire a couple shots at the police officers. They're like, ah, get down, get down. And then the drone does detect Jeffrey Smith walking towards the police. And when the drone operator says he's headed our way, two police officers, I I believe they were specifically SWAT officers, but two officers open fire and they kill Jeffrey at Loon Lake. This is an interesting story, not for what happened. Unfortunately, we do have these types of incidents happen all over the world, right? We have people go from zero to 60, like they just seem to be totally fine, and then they just open fire on some random person, whether it's their workplace, someone walking down the street. We see these type of things. Sometimes it's a setup to do suicide by cop. They're trying to get a bunch of cops there so the cops can kill them and they can die without having to take their own life. This isn't an unusual story, unfortunately. You'll find several articles detailing what I just told you, but that's not the whole story. Thomas the Dank Engine works at he he said he worked at a dispensary. So I that my <laughs> the only dispensary I can think of is a medical marijuana dispensary. Maybe there are other things. Maybe other people pronounce it correctly. I'm sure they do. But he works at a dispensary, and he said that one day he's sitting there, he's selling, I'm just going to assume he's selling wheat. He could be selling balls and yarn or whatever. But he's sitting there, he's slanging that green stuff, and a woman walks in, and she was totally distraught. He could like tell that there was something wrong with her. And she tells Thomas, "This is I just this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. My fiance was just shot and killed by SWAT." Thomas, is like, what in the world are you talking about? And she says, "Listen, my fiance went to go kill a pedophile, and the police chased him, and they killed him in the woods." Now, none of that was mentioned in news articles. The news articles, the news as I presented it to you, those are articles written October 19th, October 20th, you know, like more recent articles. And I, thank you, Thomas, for sending this over. I go, this is really interesting. None of these articles are stating why he did it. They just said he went to this house, he shot at a person and drove away and police, this massive police force chased them into the woods and killed them. And I had to look for, like a lot of the articles, they weren't even mentioning the name of the victim at all. They weren't mentioning the name of the suspect, which you understand like in the original, like first couple articles that are coming out, October 12th, October 13th, maybe they don't have that information. But I'm looking around, I'm reading these articles. Most of the articles that I was reading was from a local newspaper called Spokesman.com is like the Spokane spokesman. I'm looking for all this stuff. And I'm also looking at news websites as well, like KXLY. And they're telling the story that a guy shot at somebody, seemingly randomly, got chased into the woods, and was executed. When I found out the name, when I found out the suspect's name, Jeffrey Smith. I start looking for mentions of his name, right? And I'm still pulling up these articles. Jeffrey Smith, shot at Loon Lake, shot at some random guy, police chase him down. Finally, I was having to try all these different combinations of words. If I typed in Loon Lake shooting, Loon Lake SWAT, it was giving me these articles of that what I just told you. Finally, when I had his name and I typed in Jeffrey Smith, Loon Lake, I found an article published October 13th before these other articles were coming out this article published October 13th saying yeah he tried to kill a pedophile one article and that is not mentioned in any of the articles going forward we're in the town of clayton washington it's actually like an unincorporated uh neighborhood or unincorporated place if i remember correctly it's 3:15 p.m. Jeffrey shows up to the house of Davin Brock, 40 year old man, who, if you look at the Washington sex offender database, he's a level two sex offender, which means there's a moderate risk to the community that he is in. He was arrested and served prison time for taking indecent liberties with multiple 15 to 16 year old girls. And indecent liberties sounds like the name of some art house movie right on AMC. And Decent Liberties is basically when someone's not able to consent, not just including age. I didn't even find age on the list because I looked up the statute. It's straight up like you're in a position of power over them or they have some sort of mental or physical disability. So that's what he got charged with. It wasn't some movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis. It's a really gross crime. And one of those victims was Jeffrey Smith's son's girlfriend. So Jeffrey Smith, after learning this, drove to Davin Brock's house, waited on the porch for him, was drinking. Davin walked up and Davin said, we talked for a while just like friends, and then I started to put two and two together. I realized that one of of my victims was related to him in some way and he pulled a gun out and he shot towards me and then he says, I'm going to kill you. He started threatening to kill me and then he walked to his car and got another gun and then threatened to kill me again and then drove away. That story is not repeated going forward. Even though Davin Brock, is, it's not hearsay, Davin Brock is telling that story. Going forward, it's just some lunatic with a gun. Now, yes, he was out to murder someone or threaten someone, right? And he was drinking, he had these firearms, and you don't want that in your community either. But that's context. And the question is, is why is this part of the story being buried? We covered an episode, it was very recent, about a month ago, and this is why Tom has sent this story over, about some vigilantes, some pedophile hunter group, Confront a man in Target, a pedophile. They were pretending to be an underage girl. This guy showed up to meet with a girl. They started getting into a scuffle. Someone pulled out a gun. I think it was one of the creep catchers pulled out a gun and shot the pedophile in the leg, if I remember correctly. And you read the stories and they're like, yeah, it's crazy. These three guys got in a fight with another guy at Target and one of them got shot. Man, what a world we live in. And they're not saying this guy's a pedophile. Or if they are saying it, it's way, way down in the article. Or an alleged pedophile or attempted pedophile, whatever you want to classify it as. And I remember saying on that episode, why aren't they telling the whole story? And then we have this one happening as well. Because if you're just reading these articles... I mean, I had to specifically... It was almost like I was trying to unlock the Da Vinci Code. I had to use the right words to get into it. I had to find the guy's name first off... And then an even weirder footnote to this whole story, because Jeffrey did die. There's a website called obituaries.neptunesociety.com. And when you type in Jeffrey Smith, Loon Lake, when you go to Google, one of the first things that pops up is this obituary for Jeffrey Smith. And it says, October 12th, 2022, Jeffrey John Smith, age 52 of Loon Lake. So this is the right guy Balloon Lake, Washington passed away on Wednesday, October 12th. Fond memories and expressions of sympathy. Dot dot dot. So you go and you click on that link to read more about the obituary and to see what people are saying. It's been deleted from the obituary website. His obituary is gone. What is this? What is this? It used to be when I was, this is my boomer thing, when I was a kid, it would be front and center, though news would be that a man tried to kill a convicted pedophile and got killed by the police. That's the news story. I don't know, and I'm sure there's a thousand conspiracy theories that we could all think of, but... Why are they neglecting to add? It's a very, very interesting detail. It's context, for one. It's also salacious. That's why I'm surprised the media isn't pushing that. But whatever is keeping this story out of the media, like, again, I had to really, really look around to find the one article I did. And even looking at this Google search results, the first one says, Coroner identifies man shot by deputies near Loon Lake. October 20th was when that was published. But they don't mention that in the article that was published six days later. They don't mention it at all. It just makes it seem like some guy randomly shot somebody or shot at somebody. And they've even deleted his obituary. This is so weird. This is so weird. I don't understand why people are running cover for pedophiles. Why are these parts of the stories getting deleted? It's so weird, to the point that they even deleted his obituary. Insane. Insane. And I don't have an answer for it. Like, again, I mean, you obviously could be like, well, you know, the media always protects pedophiles. But yeah, usually only the powerful ones, right? Only the movie stars and the politicians and stuff like that. Someone's running cover for Brian Singer, so he keeps getting these movie deals and stuff like that. It's horrible. The director of Jeepers Creepers, you know, someone's like, here's make more money. We know you're a pedophile, but make here make more money for us. Da, da, da. We see that. So every time that Brian Singer does an interview, they don't ask him, hey, what about all those allegations from that documentary in Open Secret? He has people running cover for him. This is just some creepo living on the street. Absolutely. There, there is a directive coming from somewhere. Cause now we've had two incidents of this. I always say first time is a Anomaly the second time is a pattern. That I don't actually, I don't remember what I say, but basically, if we see something happening over and over again, why is the media running cover for pedophiles? They did it in the story about where the he, that guy got shot at a target. They weren't giving you context. They made it seem like it was just a mass shooting, a, a shooting at a target type of thing. You had to dig for the pedophile stuff. And then here again, they know, they know why he shot him. It's stated very early in this timeline, and now new articles don't talk about that. They're not having his obituary. Why are they doing this? Absolutely insane. Absolutely nuts. Medusa, buzz cut, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter copter. We are leaving behind... We're leaving behind, apparently, a newsroom of people who love protecting pedophiles. Take us all the way out of this disgusting cesspool. We're headed out to a sleepy suburban neighborhood. ( curvacamba) You know, I, I, I know I'm moving on to the next topic. I guess I should be a little skeptical. You could say in this instance that they didn't want to reveal too much information about the victim because... Then they didn't want him to get harassed by his neighbors. Well, first off, I don't care if he's getting—I I don't care if he's getting harassed by his neighbors, right? This is a fairly recent crime he committed, even if it was a long time ago. Still, but I don't care if he's getting harassed by his neighbors. Also, he's on a—I typed in his name. I typed in Davin's name into the Washington sex offender database. It's all public information, anyways. I would be more curious if I lived in the neighborhood and be like, why did he shoot at Davin? I'd be more curious to find that out. So the idea of protecting him for some reason. And again, why? Why would they want to? But anyways, that's enough of that story. We're headed out to this sleepy suburban neighborhood. Medusa, go ahead and land this carbineer copter. We're going to get on our BMX bikes and we're going to just ride around this... Little town. <laughs> they actually don't know where this story takes place. I keep saying, it's saying a sleepy suburban neighborhood. It could take place anywhere. We actually do have a photo of the main character of this story. And they're standing next to a stucco. Uh, one of those houses with kind of the stucco on the outside. So those are generally suburban, you know, homes that they just roll off the back of a factory truck. Little stucco house in a sleepy little neighborhood. This story came from someone who goes by the handle online uh, as The Great Dreamer, 1937. The Great Dreamer, we're going to go ahead and call you Mikey. Mikey lives with a family of four. You got mom and dad, and then his older sister, Tina, and then Mikey himself. In this family, everything's going great in this family. Not perfect. No one has a perfect family, but it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. They're a very nice family, good members of the community, and good members of their local church. Such good members of the church that they received from their church a statue of the Virgin Mary. That's a pretty sizable statue. There is a photo of this, and based on the ferns <laughs> next to it, base I don't I'm just guessing, right? I don't know how big their ferns are. But I'd say this statue's probably about. Two to three feet tall, right? It's pretty. It's a pretty big statue, dude. That's bigger than a lot of little babies, right? Toddlers and stuff. They'd be like intimidated by it. Intimidated, <laughs> intimidated by this statue of the Virgin Mary. So they have this statue. They've had it in their house for a really long time. For a really long time. It's, they've actually had it longer than they've had their own children. We're talking about twenty-five plus years. This statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary has been in their house. But life, unfortunately, happens, and the mother ends up in the hospital. And the father's at the hospital, and the kids are at home. And one night, it had to be like maybe four in the morning, Tina wakes up, and her dad is walking into her bedroom. And he says, Mom passed away tonight. Tina couldn't believe it. You know, this is your mom. Losing your mom would have to be just incredibly difficult. Even worse, the younger you are. Tina hears this news and, you know, it hurts her, right? She's never going to see her mom again. The next morning, When Tina, we don't have an age for these kids as well, but considering they're home alone, I figure Tina is probably in her early teens and Mikey younger than that. But Tina and Mikey, the next morning, they're in the house and dad comes home from the hospital and he sits down and he goes. Mom died last night. Mom died last night in the hospital. Dad's telling him all this stuff and Tina is thinking, wait a second, so dad came at four in the morning to tell me about it, then he went back to the hospital, maybe fill out some paperwork, and then he's coming back to tell us about it. But what she learns, her dad never came home at four in the morning. That wasn't her father walking into that room to deliver the news that her mother had died. After the mom passed away, they had to move. So they left their house, and they ended up getting an apartment. And it was a two-bedroom apartment, but there was three of them, so the way that they had it set up was that Tina got one room, Mikey got another room, but the father slept on the couch out in the living room. And when they made this move, they took the stuff, you know, that you could take out of a house and fit into an apartment. But one of the things that they made sure they brought into this apartment with them was the statue of the Virgin Mary. they had had it for so long. And what are you going to do with it? Just throw it away? Give it away? No, this is an icon. It's not a piece of trash. And we can make room for it in our house. And it was actually situated right next to the television set. Well, the father would sleep on the couch, and a lot of times he would sleep on his back, so he's facing the nice cushiony part, his back is to the television set. But he started to notice something. Whenever he laid there on his side with his back to the television set, his back was also to the statue. And when he would be laying there in the darkness, he would hear
1: breathing behind him.
0: He said it was so heavy and so distinct, he could actually count the breaths. It wasn't something he had to strain to hear. It was clearly audible. Someone or something was breathing very heavily whenever he had his back to the statue. No, not all. the not. Let me say, it wasn't every time. It's not like he's like, oh, I forgot something in the kitchen, and he turns around. He's walking to go get some more Cheez-Its, and he hears the breathing. It didn't happen every single time, and it happened when he was going to bed, when he had his back to the statue. But even then, it wasn't every single time, but this was a phenomenon he did recognize. Another pattern he started to see was the nightmares. He would have this dream that he would wake up in a bed. Which would probably be the dream of anyone living on a couch. He'd fall asleep on a couch. He'd wake up in a bed. He's still in the dream world, but in the dream he's waking up in a bed. And he's all alone in the bed.
1: But he can't move.
0: He's laying on his side in this bed and he can't move and he begins to feel something crawl into the bed behind him. This thing would continue to move through the bed until it was right behind him until its body was pressed against his and he'd begin to feel these arms wrap around him. But he compared it to it was like I was being hugged by a skeleton. It didn't feel like there was any meat, no skin, right? It was just this real skinny, emaciated, skeletal-like entity behind him, and he could feel the arms wrapping around him, feel the bony ribcage press against his back. And it would always whisper something into his ear. It would say it over and over and over again. He said the voice was this very high-pitched sound he goes it it, it reminded him of like if you've ever watched like funny youtube videos or america's funny some videos or whatever it sounded like a animal trying to speak human languages so when you have a dog say thank you thank you whatever we've heard those youtube (laughs) if you haven't i'll put some in the show notes but he says that's what it sounded like and it always said the same thing and it would say it over and over again it always said it's me It's the Virgin Mary.
1: I would just repeat that
0: over and over again, whispering right in his ear. He would wake up. And he said he'd only have this dream maybe three or four times. But each time, it played out the same. He would wake up in a bed... Unable to move, something would crawl into bed with him, get right next to his body, wrap its arms around him, and begin to say this same phrase, in this high-pitched tone, it's me, it's the Virgin Mary, over and over and over again. He said, the only difference in the dreams is in each dream, whatever was crawling into bed behind me felt more and more alive. Each time it was no longer the skeletal arms, but they felt a little more human. Each time this creature, whatever it was, what's well saying it's the Virgin Mary, but whatever it was, it was almost manifesting into a real human form. Now, this house wasn't just plagued by these nightmares. Well, he was the only one having the nightmares, but he also, one time he walked into the kitchen and a plate flew right out of the kitchen cabinet, right at him, almost hit him. Tina said that she had seen once a shadow man type entity walk out of her room and enter Mikey's room. So we do also have observable phenomenon outside of the dream world. The heavy breathing, the plate flying, and the Shadow Man-type entity. Mikey has not experienced any of this. He hears all of these stories way later in life. But for Tina and her father, these are very real scary encounters that they're dealing with in the moment. Well, Tina, this is another reason why I think she's fairly old. Tina, in in short order, she ends up getting married and moving out of the house. And the father, in what must be one of the most genius, genius moves of all time, says, you know what, Tina? So happy you're getting married. I'm a little suspicious of that shadow man you've chosen as a groom, but... I want you to have this. This is the this is the best thing. As a wedding present, he gave his daughter the statue of the Virgin Mary. Now it was a keepsake, right? Like this was something they had from when mom was still alive. It was something they had, had for over two decades. But even Mikey said when he was writing this out, I think I think Dad just wanted to get rid of it. Like, sure, yeah, it's a nice memento of our life together as a family. But also, it breathes at me late at night. I don't know how much everyone knew what was going on at this time. How I don't think the dad woke up every morning and he's like, kids, I had to dream again. I had to dream about that crazy creature crawling in a bed. But he gives the statue to his daughter and nothing happens, right? She gets the statue... It's not hovering around late at night, no dishes are flying towards her face. Well, at least for the first couple months, then she starts to have nightmares. And her nightmares are also always set up the same. She's walking down the street of her neighborhood. She's walking down the street of her neighborhood. She knows this area very well. She's walking to church. And as she's walking down the street and she's headed towards church, something doesn't feel right. And she turns around and behind her, you know, probably a couple of yards, right? It's not right next to her, but let's say five, ten yards away. On the ground is the statue of the Virgin Mary. She keeps walking. She's continuing to try to get to the church. And she still feels something isn't right. And she turns around. And about five to ten yards away is the statue. And in all these dreams, she's trying to get to the church. And in all these dreams, she can't get to the church. No matter how many times she's trying to walk down this road, she can never actually enter the church. And in all these dreams, no matter what distance she has traveled, the statue of the Virgin Mary is always behind her. Jason, that's how traveling works. If you leave point A and you go in a straight line, everything else is behind you. It's always the same kind of distance behind her. It's following her. And in these dreams, sometimes she kept trying to get to the church. She couldn't get to the church. She would hide. She would go into someone's house and hide from the statue. She'd be behind a couch. Worried what was going to happen if the statue eventually caught up to her. And then somebody else, another human in the dream, would find her. In the closet, behind the couch, under the bed. And the person would say, this isn't going to work. She's going to find you. She's trapped in this dream loop. It doesn't happen every single night, but when it happens, it plays out the same. She is either slowly pursued by the statue. She never sees it moving. It's just always behind her. And if she does try if she does not continue her journey, if she decides to hide somewhere, a human always finds her and tells her this won't work. She's going to find you. One night She gets to the church. One night she's having this dream. And for whatever reason, why this night was any different than any of the other nightmares, she actually is walking down the street. The statue's behind her. She gets the weird feeling. She looks. The statue's behind her. She thinks about hiding. She knows. This just makes it more angry. She's going to be found by another human. She's going to be warned. She's going to find you. She keeps walking down that street. She sees the church. She enters the church. And for the first time in any of these nightmares, she feels safe. She's in the church, and the priest turns around and tells her, she's coming for you.
1: You need to leave.
0: After all these nights, after all of these nightmares, she finally gets into the church, and she is told she is not even safe here. So Tina runs out of the church, and she begins running down the street, and no matter how fast she runs, the
1: statue is right behind her. It's right
0: on her heels. It's not moving. It's just there, an inch behind her. No matter how fast she's running down that street, the statue is right behind her every step of the way. When she woke up after that time, she's like, okay, I'm done. I don't, I really don't think her dad told her anything about what was going on with the statue, but she's not an idiot. She goes, I keep dreaming about the statue. And again, it's not a tiny little statue. This is a, at least based on my fern measurement system, two to three feet tall. So she takes the statue and places it outside. It was inside her house this whole time. Now it's outside on her doorstep. She's like, Welcome, visitors, meet my haunted statue. She places this outside. The nightmares immediately cease. She never again dreams about trying to get to the church and being followed by the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The next thing that happens is arguably worse than that. Because before those dreams would happen every once in a while, But once she moved the statue outside of her house, every single night, whether she had a dream or a nightmare, every single night in her dreams would be totally normal. Everything's happening. She's just walking around, talking to friends, watching a movie. She could feel the eyes of the statue watching her. Every single night, every single dream, she could feel this statue staring at her. And in the dream, she would realize something was wrong. Something fell off. And she would look around. She would never see the statue in her dream. But she could sense its gaze upon her. She knew it was there somewhere. She just couldn't see it. And this happened night after night after night after night after night. At some point, and I this it's so interesting because I'm reading the story, and this is the part I go, okay, I can fact check this. If this doesn't work, then maybe it's all made up. And it could all be made up, right? All of these stories could be made up. But what happens is one of her cousins ends up meeting the Pope and getting this rosary blessed by the Pope. And I actually was like, is that even a thing? I mean, I know the Pope blesses stuff, so I did some research, and yeah, you can do that. Apparently, they do these, like, mass blessing-type things, ceremonies. I'm obviously not Catholic, if you can't tell, but um, I was like, okay, so at least that checks out. This is written by someone who at least, if it is made up, at least they know that fact, and I didn't know that fact. It could all be made up. could be real. But she gets this rosary blessed by the Pope, and she gives it to the sister. She gives it to Tina. And I don't know, again, how much of the story is being related to the people around them. Generally, when people are suffering from these types of hauntings, right, which are very, very hard to prove, you don't tell people about it because you sound like a lunatic. You just sound like a weirdo. So I don't think she's like, hey, um, when you're out there talking to the Pope, can you get something blessed? Because I've been being chased by the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary for the past couple months. And honestly, actually, this type of haunting you probably wouldn't tell people about because it's borderline blasphemous. But anyways, she does get a rosary that's blessed by the Pope himself. And she placed that around the statue's neck along with some other religious iconography. And the dreams immediately stopped. There was never any other sense that this statue had any ill will towards Tina or the father or Mikey or anyone. To this day, it sits outside that house, looking like any ordinary statue. It's a fascinating story. We did a story a long time ago, maybe like 200 episodes ago about a group of three girls who were camping in the woods. I don't remember the detail. I think they were at like a summer camp. I believe it took place in Eastern Europe. And the Virgin Mary chased them down a hill. And again, that's one of those stories that you go, what is this phenomenon? It's definitely, I mean... I don't think I have to give you an intro of... I I mean, I guess I could Jesus' mom, right? But I'm sure pretty much everyone knew what I was talking about. We're talking about a religious figure, not just a religious figure, but one that is venerated by a huge group of... Relig- the Catholics, you know, venerate the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's, it's, you know, it's in their art. It's in their iconography and, and things like that. So to have... To, you know, cut to the chase the mom of Jesus running down a hill chasing little girls, it sounds absolutely blasphemous. It must be some sort of demonic entity taking that form. And then you come across this story, and we see a weird combination of events. We have a statue that's been around for over, again, they had it for 25 plus years. The mom dying, and then the paranormal activity happening is a super weird combination. It would make sense if they started seeing the ghost of their mom. If the mom died and then every so often they'd smell her favorite perfume in the room, that's sweet, it's beautiful, I wouldn't talk about it on the podcast. It is hauntings, but those hauntings, they're a dime a dozen. I get it. If, it's, if you're experiencing it, that's totally awesome, right? I'm not saying you're like, oh, man, I miss my mom. And then Jason said it was lame that her spirit's still around. Oh, and the mom ghost is like, it's okay. Jason's kind of a jerk. You know what I mean, right? I want to talk about that. It's sweet and beautiful, but it doesn't really tell us anything about... It doesn't tell us anything unique about the human condition or the ghost condition. Here we have the mom dying and negative... Spiritual energy, hostile ghost attacks, or whatever, demonic attacks, right? Engulfing this family, and it's using the vessel, it's using the image of Mary to do it. You could have a demon disguising itself as a religious figure. What I find so fascinating is, why did this start when the mother died? It's almost like the mother was a calming influence over the family. I have a lot of questions, honestly. I don't know why, when the mom died, they lost their house. I'm curious about that as well. So there could be more, like, facts about the story that we don't know. But it's possible that this statue was always haunted. And the mother's psychic barrier around the family prevented them from feeling any of it. That's a possibility. Another darker possibility is that when the mom died, that's what caused this whole thing. But it is a story that we can test. Right now, that statue is outside of a house, and it is wearing a blessed rosary that is keeping whatever is inside of it at bay. If we really wanted to know what dark forces may lie inside that statue, all we have to do is take the rosary off. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal, conspiracy, and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, and I'm glad you listened to it today.